Good morning, everybody, or actually good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Scott Stedman Podcast. Uh, today is an exciting episode because today we're going to be introducing a new segment. Um, so again, joining me is my co-host, Micah Current. How are you doing today, Micah? Good, man. How are you? Um, well, if, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see my hair looks very, like, wet. And I just want to let people know it's because I got out of the shower probably about 15 minutes before recording, but it's also super hot. So it could just be sweat. So I just want to let everyone know it's not me sweating a bunch. It's me getting out of the shower. You also told me that it was like 80 degrees in your apartment. It is. And my wife had the AC off. So I just like before we record, I went and shut the windows and turned it back on. Yeah, I could feel the coolness now. So I'm like, all right, <laughs> we're getting, we're getting, yep. But, ah, marriage. <laughs> so, so, um, so we're going to start this new segment, Micah, called What's the Craziest Thing You've Ever Experienced? It could be anything that you've heard, you've read, something you witnessed. Um, and so, yeah, so this week, uh, or technically since we're recording on Monday, it'd be last week. But what was the craziest thing you experienced this week? Um. I was trying to think about this because you texted me yesterday and I was kind of thinking over it, but I was like, well, what we're going to be talking about today is transitions and ministry. And, um, I had, I'm, I'm going through a transition currently and just like you are, um, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be making a, a transition to another church. And, um, I haven't seen the lead pastor of the church that I've, I'm currently at for a couple of weeks. He had vacation. He and his wife went on a cruise for two weeks. So like, it's been three, four weeks since I've seen him in person or talked to him. And so um, I know that he knew that I was making that change and that we were, you know, getting ready to transition out of that ministry into another. And um, he came up to me yesterday. I led worship at the church yesterday. Um, normally I run production and the communication side of things, but I, I led worship because the worship leader was out this weekend. And he came up to me five minutes before service and he was like, so do you want me to tell the church that you're leaving? Five minutes before service. Jeez. And I was like, I mean, sure, you're the, you're, the, but, but here was my exact response. I'm like, well, you're the pastor. You can, I'm <laughs> like, you can make that choice. I don't, you know, it's not going to change my mind and it's not going to change the outcome of this scenario. But he came up to me about five minutes before service and was like, do you want me to tell the church today? Or is that okay? Uh, I'm like, go ahead um yeah that's fine it's totally fine um so yeah that was one of the things i mean i've had a ton of things happen um probably too too much drama for this show so what about you scott <laughs> that was on the ten more tamer side of things i think wow that's crazy and and i mean we'll talk a little bit about um yeah we'll talk a little bit about it but yeah, I mean, I don't. Oh man, I don't. <sighs> I'd say the craziest thing that I've heard of you about you this week is the the fact that you're sitting in your apartment with the air conditioning off. <laughs> yeah. That's just my opinion. I think when it talks about transitions, I think that's weird. But I also think that's the random fact that five minutes before service is about to start, you're having that conversation. I feel. 
even if a pastor wanted to just kind of double check, at least have a plan. Hey, we're going to announce you're we're going to announce that you're leaving. If you want to, you know, if you and your wife want to, you know, stand by the back doors and greet people and talk to people or blah 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 or or hey, we're going to set up a going away thing later and kind of have it just like oh hey by the way uh like. I've noticed that at smaller churches with pastors that have been there a long time. That seems to be a common thread mm. where they will wait until the last minute to do or make a decision, uh, come up to you four, four to five minutes before service and say, hey, by the way, we're doing this. Or, um, yeah, mm. it's like we talked about, we talked about uh, a couple of weeks ago in the episode that we were talking about just kind of politics and in, in the pulpit and how how the same pastor that i'm referring to now just got up that sunday and said he was going to throw us a curveball and didn't even preach the sermon that he gave us so yeah crazy i think it's common in so, in smaller situations ah so here's the craziest thing that i experienced this week so um i only have like about a week left working at the bakery before i make my transition out of out of the state and back to my home state of Ohio to working at a church job in Columbus. So occasionally, you know, since I'm by a loud mixer, I usually have my earphones and earplugs in and I'm listening to podcasts, kind of catching up on stuff. So I was listening to the Holy Post podcast. It's episode 513. And usually they have like something where they talk about random things, uh, usually animals, or sometimes they talk about butt news. Like they have a segment called butt news. So, don't ask me why. I don't know why that is a thing. But one of the conversations is, and this is a term I've never heard before in my life. So that's why it's crazy. But uh, Micah, have you ever heard of the term? So, uh, sologamy? No. Sologamy. Which you would think, like, my first reaction is like, okay, like, ogamy, like, kind of like, polygamy or anything like that so i'm thinking it's just like two slugs that like love each other like that's what i was thinking no sologamy is when a person a human being wants to marry themselves <laughs> just your reaction was priceless that's all i needed so... <laughs> so I'm listening to this conversation and I'm thinking there's a couple of things I'm thinking of. Hey, how narcissistic must you be that you think, you know what? I'm so good looking. I'm such a big catch that I don't need anyone else in my life. I just want to marry myself. Um, I can think of a couple people. <laughs> well, and actually, one of the probably the funniest things is that they mentioned that there was a Brazilian supermodel that married herself and then three days later got a divorce from herself. And then one of the comments, one of the things which was the funniest thing, I bust up live goes, Did they did they meet someone new? <laughs> they didn't want to like cheat on themselves, so they got a divorce from themselves. <laughs> but I'm like, that's insane. It's insane. And for me, it's insane for a couple reasons. A for the reason I just gave about, you know, how narcissistic must you be that you want to marry yourself? But B, when I think about the sanctity of marriage and the idea of having a suitable partner, and when I think about suitable partner, I'm usually 
as much as we like someone who's exactly like you in some ways, having someone who's kind of different than you is a, a, is a blessing because they can kind of see your blind spots. Mm -hmm. So I feel like if you're just so focused on me, and plus a lot of this is happening overseas, I don't really see, of course, we don't, we're not seeing this in America, but even if we started to see this in America or there was a law passed that said, okay, you can marry yourself, I mean, isn't that just adding to just our individual, individualistic culture already? Yeah. And and so for me, I think that's that's insane. Like that's crazy. Like I don't know. Like that is absolutely the strangest thing I've heard this week was the term sologamy and what it means. Um, do you watch America's Got Talent? I do not. No. So my wife and I just watch the auditions. We don't watch the actual show once they get past the auditions, but the auditions are probably the best part of the whole show. But a couple of, uh, over the weekend, we watched yeah. one of the auditions episodes and there was a guy um, who went up to audition. I don't know if he was a magician. It really doesn't matter what his talent was in this moment, but he talked about his partners. And so he was apparently married to somebody and they had a girlfriend together, but I forget the term that they used and I had never heard it before. My wife was like, what? But apparently was married and then they had a girlfriend. So they shared a girlfriend together. But there's a term for it. Is it it's not polygamy, is it? Because poly means more than one. Um, Domestic. <laughs> Go to the Google. Go to the Google. Um. Or polymorious. That's it. Polymorous. That's it. Yeah. It's characterized by... No, po po polyamorous or whatever, right? Yeah. Polyamorous. That's it. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. To kind of piggyback off what you said with the weirdest thing. Like, I heard that and I was like, what? What? But um, I think... Do you remember the band Breaking Benjamin? I do, yes. Yeah. One of their albums was called Polyamorous. I don't know why I remember that, but that was, you know, <laughs> that was college. That was college. <laughs> yeah, no joke. So moving. And again, this has been the craziest things we've heard this week. Ba -ba -ba yeah. Again, we don't have like a little like transitional segue. There, but I could write one. I could write one. There you go. Let's write one. And then maybe next episode we'll, we'll throw it in there. We'll throw the Price is Rights music in there. Da -da -da. Someone singing the lyrics to the prize bar thing. What's the craziest thing you ever heard? Do, 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 do. <laughs> That's the clock kicking in right now, folks. Scott, my friend, I think the heat's really getting to you. It is. Like now, I, now my hair still looks wet and it's dry. So definitely, this is now we went from shower to sweat to dry. <laughs> to dry. So, all right. So, on this episode, we're going to be talking about transitions, especially kind of uh, uh, transitions in ministry. And I know throughout a couple of episodes back, or actually probably spread throughout the episodes, we've talked about me transitioning out of Virginia, even kind of not taking, you know, pastoring a non-Church of God church um, as an associate. And, and Micah, you've talked about at least I don't know if you talked about you talked about on the show about how you're transitioning to be a worship leader. I believe at a at a Nazarene church. So, yep. so, yep. There, so there's a lot of transitions. So 
one of the things, so one of the questions that always comes to mind is what is the most exciting thing about transitioning from one ministry to the next? Uh, just doing something new, I think. I mean, it it can be rewarding making that switch because you may have been hurt. Uh, the end of your time at another opportunity mm-hmm. ministry-wise may have not ended well. Um, you might have felt burnt out. You may have walked away from ministry for a season. Um, I think it's important that you have that break in between those seasons and chapters of your, your ministry career. Um, but yeah, I think it, well, yeah. And then the most exciting thing I think would be just to see what, see how other ministries do things differently. Um, and may, may align with what you believe and may align with how you would like to do things. Maybe for example, you're, you're going from a church of 50 to a church of, I don't know, 500, 600 people, and they seem to run things more smoothly than they would in a smaller church. And they have multiple staff members and, um, People have their lanes that they that they serve in, whether it's children's or student ministry or uh, worship ministry, tech, creative, lead pastor, executive pastor, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and in larger situations, you get a chance to to thrive more in the area that you're called to instead of having to focus and divvy up all your responsibilities into multiple areas of ministry. So it's exciting to to see just how things are done in another situation what about you yeah i would i would i would agree with with everything you just said i think the other thing that i think exciting for me is just taking everything you've learned from your previous experience both the the good the bad the ugly and just kind of taking some of the valuable nuggets lessons you've learned and just kind of implement that into your new ministry and I said this on other episodes, Scott, but like I had a pastor tell me years ago to love the people and take your time. So like when you go into a new situation, just sit back, listen. It's important to have that balance of like, yes, you want to dive in head first and really learn the ropes of the new ministry that you're serving and be a part of. But at the same time, you need to just kind of you don't want to go in there and, you know, flipping chairs and painting the whole building and, you know, making all these abrupt changes because that could backfire in your face. Yeah, absolutely. And. And I mean, I think a lot of it, and I think a lot, even with that, I think a lot of it also has to do with the personality of the leader that's coming in mm-hmm. to the, I also think it also has to do with kind of the culture that you're going into too, because if you have a healthy church culture and you have a leader that comes in, who's very, okay, I have a vision, let's go, let's do things. But at the same time, it's also very good at having that balance of, I'm going to make some of these changes, but at the same time, I'm really going to get to know the people that I'm serving um, or the families that I'm a part of or the kids that I'm going to be um, ministering to. And I think, you know, you can go and make some changes, but there has to be a balance. If you just go in there all like, okay, we're changing this, changing this, and you have no relationship with anybody in that church, then, um, then you're really going to be like, then you're really going to be having a hard go at it. Um, yeah. And I think, I think for me, the other exciting thing is kind of like to, to just kind of communicate what you have already said is that since I'm going to be moving into a whole different structure 
you know, where I think Church of God, as far as how they run things, as far as within the local church is very kind of very laid back, kind of very low in, in certain terms, like. You know, they have a sense of order, but not really. It's just we're going to do a church service. Like, no one's wearing robes. No one has, like, a specific, like, order of how they do things. And, you know, it's not, like, explicitly written out, and this is the way we do it, where, you know, within the UMC, you know, they have a specific way of doing things. Their clergy wear robes. They have, sometimes they have, I don't know what they're called, but they have, kids that are also wearing robe and they're lighting the candles on the table on the Lord's table. So they're kind of, there's a sense of, there's a sense of tradition there. It's a sense of tradition. So very high tradition where I think the church of God, very low tradition, unless their high tradition is their heritage hymns, which is really big in the church of God. we got to sing our heritage hymns, which we've talked about that before. So, So, obviously, there's some things that are exciting about transitioning from one ministry to the next, but what's what's most challenging? What's the most uh, thing that kind of gives you anxiety or kind of, you know, makes you sweat a little bit with this transition to a new ministry? Um, just the nerves of getting hurt again, the nerves of going through some of the same uh, hurt and um, anxiety, stress that goes along with ministry. Um, just being afraid to like get too involved and get too attached again, because you know we talked about it in other episodes. Because you like basically, you know, you uproot your life to go to another place, and um, you it's like making new friends. It's like going from place to place to place. Uh, and and most people don't understand that, but. We talked. We talked about that in the preachers' kid episode, but like, mm-hmm. um, it's the same for pastors because you're you're literally uprooting your life, you're uprooting your family's life, you're going to a new place in hopes that it's going to work and you're going to succeed in a new ministry and a new venture. Um, I think over the years I've learned, and I and I said it in the last uh, question that you asked, but you know, really getting to know people, know people and what they do, know their work style, know their workflow, and then. Um, really get to know your volunteers and the, the people that are going to be serving around you and really invest in them early on and uh, create those relationships. And that's something that I've learned and continued to have to work on. Like, you know, how are you really doing? What can I do to make your life easier? Um, yeah. Just really being mindful of what you're going into. And if you, if your, your desire, your heart's desire is to stay at a place long-term to really establish those relationships early, whether that's with staff or volunteers, making sure your family's happy, whether you're at, you know, where you're at, where you're serving. And um, just uh, if you're in it for the long haul, which we should be, um, just take your time and uh, realize it's not a race. I've been in some ministries where it's the opposite, where they want you to hit the ground running and they want stuff done yesterday. And it's like, I just got here. So, um, yeah, it's, it's challenging. Um, and I know that, you know, we haven't really talked about our transitions in detail, but like I was, I led worship at the church I'm serving at yesterday and I went and stopped by the Nazarene church that we're going to be transitioning to in a little bit in a couple of weeks. 
um, just to see them at, you know, because the service I played and led for yesterday started earlier. So we were able to go to the other church and hmm. we went out to lunch with the pastor and some other folks that are going to be on the staff with us and um, just shared my heart. And then I was pretty anxious about diving into an, another ministry season just because of the hurt that we've experienced over the last couple of years. And there's been healing and reconciliation and all those things, but like there's still those emotional triggers and anxiety that goes along with you know, am I good enough? Is this going to be okay? Uh, six months from now, are we still going to be happy that I'm here? Um, are you going to let me do my job? Mm-hmm. Are we going to be able to make those changes that you you hired me to do? Um, which are all legitimate concerns. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, um, I would love to get Pastor John on here and, you know, in a future episode. And we talked about that a little bit yesterday, Scott, but like, I've never, I've never met a more humble man of God mm. than John, than Pastor John Young. And I think part of his story and his experience is that he's experienced being in a healthy church of 400 people. He's experienced being in a church of 50. He's experienced being in a church of 200 people and the church split right down the middle and 100 people left. And he stayed after the church split. Mm. And so when he hired me and he asked me if I wanted to come, he was like, we're not perfect and we love everybody and i've never i've just never felt the legitimacy so uh even even with all that said i still fear have the fear have the anxiety have the um have the uh nervousness that goes along with any transition of moving or and and the crazy thing is scott like i can walk two minutes that way and that's where the church is right Whereas I'm driving, it's like the quickest commute to any church that I've ever worked at. And so it's, it's just amazing. I just, uh, there's so much that goes along with that because if you would have asked me the same question two years ago, I would have probably told you I'm not doing this anymore. Mm. Right. Because it was just easier to walk away and not be engrossed in ministry because it's not healthy. Yeah. And and, that's, and I had to, and I had to get to a healthy place to to even make that decision today. Yeah, and I think that's kind of been the consensus for a lot of things. Like even when, I mean, I was again, like I told you, I was listening to a bunch of podcasts, and I heard one where they had a uh, Dave Kinnaman from Barnet Group on, just giving statistics, and they talked about ministers or basically any minister, whatever lead, associate, worship, whatever, um, leaving churches and. A big percentage of it was just, you know, the occasional I feel burned out. Um, but also some of it just feels like I'm just I'm just not content with kind of the culture in the church anymore. It's just become a very unhealthy place. Um, yeah. So I think so I think that's very telling of what has happened within the last two to three years is that reason why we've seen such a mass exodus of ministers either leaving the church for good or taking the season where they're not jumping right into the next ministry or them who leave one place and go to another. I think the big thing has been because they've been to an unhealthy place. And that's always the big thing, or we like to call the honeymoon stage is when a minister goes to a new church, there is kind of that little bit of a bubble where it's like, oh, everyone's very excited that they have a new minister now, and everyone's all happy. And and then once that phase is over, depending on how that phase is, um, 
it can be it can be very trying and then you can really kind of get the rose colored goggles off and really see what you have and go ooh this is going to be a lot of work which you know kind of um your thing with me talking to the pastor at the church I'm transitioning to we were talking about stuff and she kind of mentioned some of the challenges that she's facing as the lead and some of the things that have happened in the past that she's trying to cause some healing and reconciliation for and she even made the comment like you didn't think you're coming in to come you didn't think you're coming to serve at a easy church did you and it was like i wasn't expecting it but I, 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 but at least the fact that she knows hey there's some challenges there's some things and most and, and most pastors Scott want to ignore that oh yeah and be very passive they're very passive or like especially like in a small church like i remember when i came down here to virginia i would ask some hard hitting questions because I wanted to, and not necessarily, I want to know about all your skeletons in your closet. So then I can just, so then I can leave. It was more of, I want to know about the skeletons in your closet so that I can know what I'm stepping into and what are some things that is going to prepare me to kind of do the relational, the mentoring, and even some of the healing work that needs to be done to really see this church grow and be able to make some of the changes. And I mean, I was told, oh, no, things are great. Things are wonderful. Things are, you know, we have a really good group of people here We in, in everything else. And it's like, okay. And again, this was like my second pastor, pastorate. So I didn't know any better. And then I walk in and then sure enough, three months in, I'm already seeing the problems and the red flags. And it's like, these were things that you guys should have communicated explicitly communicated to me and it just kept getting worse as each year there's more stuff it was like once i felt like i cleaned out one closet there was more closets that i had to clean out so but yeah i would say the most challenging thing is i i agree with everything you said i think one of the big things is how does this church what is the how i guess how deep is the church's grace culture hmm because when you walk into a new position, there's always going to be some challenges. And there's also going to be some things that you may not know. You know, it may be a whole different work culture and you may not know what you need to do. And I mean, I, you know, we had Jordan on our show uh, on the Pastor Kids episode. But I remember when he transitioned out to Oklahoma, there was a couple things where, you know, the lead pastor said, Oh, Hey, did you do this yet? And he's like, Oh no. He goes, well, you need to do this ahead of time. So then that way people can, you know, people want to be able to plan their vacation around youth events. So the quicker you get it out and the more futuristically you're setting these dates, the more you're going to have a bigger response to these things. Um, and that thing's okay. Like he didn't know that because again, that's something he, that's a more of a culture thing of being in a larger church that he didn't know. Plus it could be his personality too. Cause I, I see that look. <laughs> no, 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 no. I just, I actually just posted on my Facebook social media. Uh, what you just said, I quoted what you just said, how deep is the church's grace culture? Because that is a profound thing Man, that I, people don't talk about. Quote book. How, how deep is the church? Well, I mean, but I'm, I'm serious. And you got credit. You got credit for that. I tagged you in it. And I, yeah, I quoted you. So like, it, <laughs> yes. 100%. You got to listen to this episode. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but here's the thing about grace culture, because grace culture is two things. First of all, 
what is the lead the leadership doing to create that culture and the leadership because mm-hmm. mm. if you had a leadership of, ahead of you that it was very you know very corporate driven and if you made a mistake you were punished you may have been demoted you may have been kind of got your hand slapped but in a, in a, in a loving way like okay like you really you really screwed up but we still love you because jesus loves you like like you know kind of like that you know backhand compliment sort of thing but if you have something where it's like hey hey here's how we do things because there's a couple times where i'm even asking questions like hey how do you do this and even have a meeting with my pastor tomorrow and i'm going to be like saying hey here's some other questions because again i want to make sure that when i come in it's very smooth. I don't want to come in and then people go, man, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. But at the same time, I'm coming into a different culture. So if I have a, so if the grace culture within this, you know, if the grace culture is deep, then even when I have these hiccups, even when I have these missteps in ministry, I'm able to say, hey, that's okay. You're new. We're not expecting you to be the miracle worker. We're not expecting you to, raise the dead and and heal the lame on your very first day on the job we're we're you have to try to get into this so and it's like what you said you know if you can take time to love people and build those relationships first then i think if you're starting on that foot first then already you're kind of creating a grace culture because Mm -hmm. if because if someone even if your volunteers if your volunteers mess up and by mess up saying like in a meeting, you say, hey, can you go and check the price of this curriculum? Or, hey, we're going to be doing this big kids event. Can you go get sponsors from the community? And you have a meeting and you go, hey, were you able to do it? And they said, oh, no, I forgot, blah, blah, blah. Either A, I could, as a leader, I could say, like, this is very important. We only have, like, three weeks out and we have no sponsors. Like, what the heck are you doing? And I could go like that and really cause a lot of guilt and shame. Or I can say, that's okay. Do you need help? Would it be better if instead of you taking this on your own, would it be better if we had a couple other people to kind of help in this endeavor? So then that pressure is off your shoulders with everything else you're having going on in your in your normal lives. Because again, you know, you don't live at the church. Your family doesn't live at the church. You have a job. They, you have- they don't. <laughs> they They don't. And I think that's kind of where grace culture comes. You realize that, hey, other people have their issues. Some people may be dealing with stuff that either they are confessing to the body, you know, in order for the body to assist and help and to bring healing to that. Or they're dealing with it silently because they don't want to bring it up to a church, mainly because they may have been hurt in the past. Or maybe the culture inside the church is not so healthy that you don't want to bear one bear your burdens to one another. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I think for me... It has to be how deep is the grace culture, and especially if you're transitioning. I think, and you're, and you know that there isn't a good grace culture. Then that's something that, as a pastor, you have to begin to set and begin to dig that well as deep as you can. So then that way, if that's being modeled by how you're treating your board, your staff, your the people who are underneath you, then that's going to have a ripple effect throughout the entire congregation on how they deal with some of those transitional missteps. Um, So 
We've talked about the exciting things about transitioning, the most challenging things. So how does a leader make a smooth transition from one ministry to another? So Mike, uh, what are you doing right now that's trying to make this transition smooth? What are you doing on your end that's trying to make the transition smooth for you? Yeah, so the, the church I'm at is, is pretty is a pretty small situation and pretty uh, it's a pretty small situation and they don't have a lot of volunteers. So what I've tried to do and and just to be clear, like I I started this church in February as a contracted consultant. I didn't go in as a staff member, as, as somebody who was going to be there long-term. And that was just kind of what we knew and prayed about going in. And so my goal really going in was to, to get them set up for a win. As far as like we revamped their website, I redid their website. Um, they had no social media presence. We got their social media, you know, to the point where they were posting every single day where um, posting, uh, sermon clips and we've started a YouTube page for them, like all of these things that they didn't have before. And so what I've done to uh, help with that is create those systems, document those systems, and then give those volunteers that are still going to be there after my departure, those things in writing and, and digital so that they can function smoothly after I transition out. Mm-hmm. Um, I've come to find though they've been very graceful and very uh very understanding of our hearts and our and our willingness uh to want to transition out and they um have been very accepting of that. I've been in places where it's been not been so accepting. Like you resign and it's just super toxic and they want you to get out of there and you want to get out of there. So like even if you set them up for a win and do the things that like I've stated previously, um the they may may or may not even use those things and or they may or may not just throw away everything you've done the day after you left so in good conscience my wife and i have always in our ministry used the mantra leave the place better than you found it mm-hmm. whether that's setting them up for a win leaving passwords leaving uh information for contact for vendors um, have operating systems in place, documents in place to show people how you do things like edit website, edit social media, create graphics, resources that you use to uh, create graphics or sermon branding or anything like that. Um, having that stuff written down is just super important. And uh, even if they don't use it, once you leave, um, at least you know that you've done your due diligence. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And I would say as far as the leader making a smooth transition, you know, again, I've been I'm kind of in a different situation because I'm not leaving a church per se. I'm kind of I've been outside of the church for about a year now since I resigned. So I'm kind of just transitioning in. And I think the big thing that's helped is there's been times where my team or the team that's kind of helping planning these family ministry events and talking about all these different things. They're like, you don't have to be in these meetings, but we want to make you aware that these meetings are happening. And I've been in every single meeting except the last one last week's, which got canceled. But if it didn't get canceled, I was still on vacation. So I said, that's the only meeting I'm going to 
miss. And even the team was like, you know, we're just very thankful that you're able to be in these meetings and that we're able to talk with you and get to know you through having these meetings. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, just kind of, even though I'm not officially there, I'm kind of being a part. And then even the week before I actually move into uh, the parsonage that they have for me, uh, that Tuesday, they're having a youth like kayak trip. And there's a part of me that's like, well, I'm already in Ohio. It's going to, I'm going to be living in Cleveland at my uh, father-in-law's house and staying there. And it's like, you know, and I'm kind of thinking like, you know, I don't have anything to do really because everything's going to be kind of loaded up in a truck already and just waiting a couple of days before we can actually officially move in. Like, Maybe I'll drive my two hours down to Columbus and go on a kayaking trip, you know, and just kind of, you know, wouldn't be the person in charge, but I just would be there to minister to, to get to know the teens and everything else. And it's like, you know, I even told my wife about it and she goes, well, I want to go to <laughs> kayaking as well. So it's like, well, hey, since we're up in Ohio with family, let's have your mom, your dad, or my parents watch the kids. We're going to go down to Columbus and kayak and maybe get our license changed too from Virginia to Ohio license. <laughs> so take care of some business while we're down there as well. So I think that's kind of a, um, a thing where I think it kind of makes smooth transition that it's not like I'm not going to do anything. And then I'm there. It's like, you're just constantly having those conversations. You're constantly meeting with a small percentage or like kind of like your 10% of people that you're going to be ministering to and kind of go, okay, here we go. Here's kind of how the transition is going to be smooth. Um, and I think that's really what makes a smooth transition on the leader side who's transitioning. Uh, but how does the church help assist in these smooth transitions? What can the church do to kind of make things as smooth as possible for the transition for the pastor to, to come in? Now, to clarify, is it for the people, so is it for you coming into a situation or leaving a situation? Because it can be. I'm going to say, for me, I'm thinking as you're transitioning into a ministry. So I think my big thing is going in, going into it. So not out, but in. What can do? I mean, if you want to hit both, you can. But I think for the purpose of me thinking when I wrote these questions is about if I'm going into a church, what can Got that it. church do to make um i yes so it's um i i said it in the last segment or last question just setting you know setting you up for a win is 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 really important and uh i know for me it's it can be very overwhelming at times to uh go into a new situation um and just extending again the grace culture that you referenced earlier uh for anybody that's transitioning into a new ministry i think that's really really important so um yeah just patience grace offering to help people uh and again i think that goes along with with getting to know people once you start in a new assignment like really just going out of your way you know taking taking your volunteers out to lunch, get grabbing a cup of coffee. Um, just, just learning about how they serve the ministry that you're going to be serving because it's a partnership. And so, um, 
Uh, I don't know, man. What do you think? Like, I, I think that you could just, you could look at it a number of ways. You can look at it from a, like, okay, if you're super introverted and you need your batteries recharged and you walk into a place and it's just super overwhelming and it's just like, you've just moved your family to a brand new place and it's almost like I need time to breathe. <laughs> right. And then, but at the same time, they want you to hit the ground running. So there's a, there's a couple of ways you could look at that. What do you think, Scott? Yeah, I would say, I mean, it's it's hard for a church to understand someone's personality if they're an extrovert or introvert. So I think a lot of times if you're just, if you're an introvert by nature and someone's just constantly and the whole body is like smothering you and you're just like, ah, like, I think, I think, you know, and I think this is where grace culture kind of comes back in too. If you, if you realize, man, if you're reading the room and you're like, okay, as pastor's feeling super uncomfortable, maybe they're introverted. Let's let's back up a little bit. I think the other thing is just care. Like really, because you know, churches can only do so much stuff. If you have a larger church church, maybe they're able to help financially with like moving expenses. Maybe they're able to help with, you know, right when you get there give you a whole bunch of volunteers to help you unpack or be able to provide meals for you. I know some churches may not have that luxury. Some churches, the only thing they may be able to do is help you unload. And that's about it. Um, and maybe have a dinner on their first Sunday, have a dinner afterwards just to say, Hey, we're so excited for you to be here. But I think it all boils down to care. Like, do you truly care about this individual, this pastoral family that is coming in to be your new shepherds. And if you do truly care about them, then it's not just providing resources for them, but it's basically also providing praying for them. It's also about, you know, making, checking up on them, loving them, you know, just saying, Hey, just wanted to call. Is it okay if I stop by and drop off some soup or, drop off something for you and just really have that time of letting them love you. But I think on the same way is for the person who's in charge also accepting those things too. Um, and, and also I think another thing is also to recognize boundaries too. If, if a pastor's laying down certain boundaries, like, Hey, I don't want 50 people dropping off uh dropping off dinners on Monday because I don't have the room in my refrigerator to store 50 meals. <laughs> like, you know, say, Hey, so-and-so is bringing this food is bringing me something on Monday. You know, these three people are bringing me breakfast, lunch, and dinner. How about you bring it on Tuesday? Would that work for you? So then that way we can kind of, because again, we're, our fridge is full and <laughs> our hearts are full and our fridge is full. So if we can space that out a little bit, that would be great. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, how does the church help assist in these smooth transitions? I think it just has to do with care and really as a body and even as an individual in that body, what things can I do to show care? Maybe someone's not good at showing their care by talking with them or or talking to you in person because, you know, they're super introverted, but maybe they'll send a card and saying, hey, Pastor Scott. We're so glad that you're here. We appreciate you. We're praying for you. You know, I mean, I have literally boxes in my house 
in our apartment of every single card I have received from church members. And, and I, and it's, it's good because sometimes I'll go through them and I read them and it's just very uplifting seeing people from Cortland, seeing people in Stanton, seeing, you know, pro I'll probably get some cards and stuff from people when I'm in Bexley. And I think that's going to, you know, that's always going to really show how much people care. And it's going to kind of, again, help me being the right focus that these people care about me and I care about serving them and loving them. So it's kind of that duality of care between the person who's transitioning into their a specific ministry at a church and the congregation showing that same love and care to the pastoral family that's coming in. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, anything else that you, that we haven't covered about transitions? I mean, I feel like we've kind of hit the, the foundation or the four pillars, I guess. Um, is there anything else about transitions that we need to discuss? I mean, I guess I, maybe we could both uh, share what we're doing, I guess. And like how, how we're doing in the moment and how we're feeling about those things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, mm -hmm. Especially being, you know, Church of God guys who are ordained in Church of God going to, to a completely different denomination, um, if you want to call it that, or ordinance or church or style of church or, um, yeah. So, and the transition, you know, as it as it's happening in real time. So, uh, like I said, we over the last couple of years have really had a heart for consulting, coaching and leading churches into uh, the 21st century. I'm using that term lightly because of just live streaming and the need for live streaming. And uh, uh, back in February, a friend of mine who's leading worship at the church that we're at now, he leading worship at the church we're at now, he called me and said, Hey, I really have a need for a person to run my tech. And would your wife, you and your wife consider praying about that? And I was like, sure. So we came in, we knew it wasn't going to be long-term, but we also knew that they needed some help in reference to their website. For example, their website was three years old and had never been touched in the last three years. And um, so we did that. We updated their social, um, created the YouTube page, you know, did some welcome videos. Um, just really got them, you know, created a brand for them, created new logos, you know, X, Y, Z. So, um, Two years ago, I was working at a church uh, here in this area and had transitioned out because it was a part-time role. Um, a friend of mine who I was on staff with at that church is now going to be the executive pastor at the church that we're going to. And she reached out and said, hey, are you interested in in leading worship? We need somebody to fill in. And this was back in July. Um, I'm sorry, in June. And I was like, sure, I'll be willing to fill in. And so I led... And after the service, you know, we just met with the pastor and he was like, you know, we really have a need for a worship leader. Would you be interested? And I'm like, you know, thanks, but no thanks. I'm really not, <laughs> not really looking for that right now in my life. But like, they just kept, you know, they didn't push, but they, you know, we just kept meeting. And so we, uh, we continued to have conversations and we just really felt at peace about it. And so we, uh, we had lunch with the pastor and his wife and we just said, Hey, you know, we really feel like God's calling us for this next season of our ministry. Um, and we'd love to help 
the the church here uh, in any way that we can. So um, we let the church know last week that we were doing that. We gave our two weeks. This Sunday is going to be our last Sunday. Then we're going to take a couple Sundays off because we just haven't had time off in forever. So uh, we're going to take two weeks off and we're going to start in August as creative arts pastor at Trenton Grace Point Church in Trenton, which is where we live. Um, it's a Nazarene church. Theologically, it's very, very close to Church of God, Anderson, which is what you and I are affiliated with. Um, and so we feel pretty comfortable about that situation. Had conversations about transitioning credentials, and we can do another podcast on that later. But like, I, I'm, as of right now, I'm just going to keep my my Church of God credentials because I worked pretty hard for those. And uh, yeah, so we're excited. We're kind of nervous. We're excited, but like we we said it earlier, Scott, but like my wife and I are like, we go into this church and yes, there's some work that needs to be done. Yes, there's some things that we need to tackle, but like the people are so loving and you talked about the grace culture earlier and it's like my wife and I are kind of like waiting for the other foot to drop because like these people are so nice. And I'm like, why are these people so nice? Like I'm not used to this. So um, I think it's just something that we're going to have to work on. And uh, I, it, it's just amazing. And, and I've talked about pastor John before, but uh, we talked, we talked about salaries and things like that. And I'm not going to get into the numbers because they haven't really talked about that with me yet. But like he being the lead pastor said he would be willing to give up salary so that we could come. Mm. Right. And so like, how amazing is that? And I'm like, pastor, you don't have to worry about that. I have a full-time job elsewhere and I'm not, I'm not worried about money because God provides. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's the polar opposite of what I came from where I was working in larger churches where pastors were making close to, if not six figures a year, lead pastors were making close to six figures a year. And we're not willing to do the same thing that this man who probably doesn't make half of what those guys are making mm-hmm. willing to give up his own salary so that he could hire staff to help his church move forward. Yeah. Like that is a humble man of God. And so I was sold yeah. from that point. So what about you, Scott? Like talk about your, I know that you were a lead pastor in Virginia and you're going to be yeah. transitioning to a UMC church. Yeah. So yeah, very, very interesting. So that's, yeah, so the transition for me is one of excitement and a little bit of nervousness too, because again, I'm going to be pastoring. I'm glad. I'm glad I'm not the only one that's nervous. <laughs> oh, it's the thing. I think even if I was transitioning to, even if I was transitioning to another Church of God church, I think I would still have nerves, just mm-hmm. because of the way things went down here, like. You know, you talk about loving people and people who are so kind and loving. And one thing when I was my first pastor ship in Cortland, Ohio, like that was that was my congregation. Very loving. Grace culture was deep, very biblical based. If there was some missteps I made in ministry, you know, I could think of like a couple elders that would come and talk to me about it. And I would and kind of say, hey here's what's going on. And I would go and I would address it and build those bridges and move towards reconciliation and things were great. And even when I left, you know, they just continued to love on us, love on our family. They were sad that we were leaving, but they understood that, you know, it was, it was time for me to, to move on in ministry. And 
that was great where my transition out my transition in and my transition out of the church in Virginia was just uh turbulence, lots of turbulence. Um so a lot of great things happened there, a lot of tragic things happened there. Um so going into this, um, you know, talking about smooth transitions, you know, it's like, okay, I'm I'm a Church of God guy going into a UMC culture. Um, have a high theology or have a high tradition as far as how they do things, but they're also kind of laid back too. It's a UMC church, but a lot of people that attend there do not have a Methodist background. Some of them have a Baptist background. Some of them have Catholic background. Some of them. So it's almost like a, it's almost like a, a smorgasbord of different backgrounds within a UMC church. So it's like, okay. Um, it's also in a very high suburban neighborhood, which terrifies me <laughs> in some ways. Cause it's like, wow, it's very like Pleasantville kind of thing. <laughs> very leave it to beaver. When you walk in there, it's like, Oh, this is, and even like when I tell people, Oh, I'm moving to Columbus. Like, Oh, where I'm like East, like, Oh, this area. I'm like, no, Bexley, they're like, ooh, you're moving to Bexley, Mr. Big Time. And I'm thinking, what? Like, so there is a culture about the community that I'm moving into. So so that's a little nerve-wracking to me. But, and then also, how does my view of the scriptures, how does that negate to, how does that relate to the people that I'm serving? Because I'm going to be serving kids and youth and families and kind of, overseeing all those ministry and really recruiting volunteers to do that. And I'm also going to be helping with, um, Oh, I can't think of it now, but there's a big thing that they do where it helps with, um, um, that they do for six months out of the year where they kind of have people, Oh, confirmation. I'm going to be doing confirmation. And that's something that's not a church of God thing. Mm -hmm. so, and I even, last conversation I had my pastor, I'm like, oh, I started asking questions about confirmation. He goes, don't you dare worry about confirmation right now. That's still a long ways off. We just want you to worry about getting settled and just kind of building those relationships. And and that's the thing. Like, for me, I'm a workhorse. So yeah. I hit the feet running. So the fact that I was offered this job in, like, spring and I'm not starting till almost, like, end of summer, fall, like I'm, I'm chomping at the bit. Like, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to, I'm ready to go. But I also have to kind of put those boundaries in place and say, Hey, I need to settle down too. So, uh, so well, how do you, how do you feel about that, Scott? Like as far as the making that transition from church of God to UMC and having to do things like confirmation, do you feel uneasy about it? Do you feel okay about it? Um, I, here's the thing. I, I feel, I felt, nervous about it until I talked to the person I'm replacing because we had a meeting and, and they even said with confirmation, you know, the person before him, they did it this way for him. It was more about getting the basics. Like who is Jesus? You know, what is baptism? What is communion? Like really go through the basics and not really were. I mean, occasionally I think there was one topic where they talked about Charles Wesley and who he was and kind of the founder of, you know, kind of the founder of, you know, the Methodist, you know, denomination. So, you know, they have things, but for me, I'm a little bit nervous, but I'm also excited too. Cause it's like, well, if this is how they do things, you know, years down the road, if I transition into 
a church God congregation, how can I implement some of the stuff I'm doing with confirmation as a way of discipleship to do more effective discipleship within a church of God denomination? Because, you know, a lot of times, a lot of church of God churches, when I talk to them, number one struggle they have, how do we do discipleship? We, we just are having struggling with discipleship. It's like, okay, well, maybe I could help in that endeavors because I was at a non-church of God church that really focused on discipleship through confirmation. So, so I'm kind of excited about that portion as well with confirmation. Um, but I think the other thing too, is that the pastor has, is like basically my number one fan and like my biggest cheerleader. So she's very like, man, we can't wait for you to get here. It's excited. My team's very excited for me to get there. Um, even just some of the other things, like they gave us a significant amount of moving expenses for us to be able to hire professional movers. So when we had the conversation, they're like, oh, did you find a professional mover? And I said, no, my dad has a big, gigantic trailer and a big truck. We're just going to load it up and and just do that. So we won't have a lot of moving expenses. And then she's like, oh. So she goes, well, let me talk to our financial person and see if we can use that money that you're not using for moving expenses to help with paying rent for your wife while she's still in Virginia finishing up her student teaching. Mm. That statement was just like. It's just it's so validating. Yeah. Like, it's just it's amazing to me. And I'm not hating on the Church of God. Please do not say it but like it seems like all these experiences that i've had in other denominations they're so much more like open to doing things differently in respect to finances and uh paying people whether it's volunteers or staff or like you know an intern or things like that where you know it's just amazing to me sorry keep going well and then even like that like even like with salary like you know they said okay here's your salary however we're also going to give you x amount of money for to cover your health insurance and Mm -hmm. the amount they gave i'm thinking there's no way i have ever spent that money on just premiums yearly premiums in health insurance so i actually my meeting tomorrow i have to talk because they're like oh well why don't we just take this money just add it to part of your salary so like i don't even know what my salary is now because we haven't really decided what we're doing we do know that sometime at the beginning of the year, my dad's going to be kind of helping with trying to get us on an insurance plan that's going to help benefit everybody, um, especially since the pastor's husband's going to be retiring. So they would have to try to find insurance. So it's stuff like that where everybody's a team player. Everyone's trying to figure out what's best. And and again, it's just like the idea that everyone's even even before they said, hey, the attendants are moving out of the parsonage. However, they informed us that there is a there's some fixed things that need to be fixed in the bathroom. So we're going to hold off on you moving in because we have a company coming in right day. It says it's going to take 48 hours to do the work they need to do in the bathroom. So it's like stuff like that where I'm not moving into a house that's like first day. It's like, hey, the shower head shot off. <laughs> so <laughs> this is wrong. Like that was the other thing too. Like. When I moved into the parsonage in Virginia, it was great, but there was a lot of problems. And I had to say, hey, this is leaking or this thing. And someone would come and fix it. But there'd be other times where it'd be 
weeks or sometimes it wouldn't get fixed at all. So then I would have to fix it or I'd have to call somebody to fix it because it wasn't getting done. And people go, well, you know, and then occasionally people would begrudgingly thank me for doing stuff or fixing things. And it's like, but I asked you to do it and it took like, it was four weeks. I didn't hear anything. Anytime I asked you, Oh yeah, yeah, we'll do it. And then they never did. So it's like, I had to take matters in my own hand because if not, then the water bill was going to be expensive and the church was paying the utilities at the time. It's like, I don't want it to be a financial burden on the church because you guys aren't coming to fix a leaky faucet or just replacing the faucet in general. So it, it's stuff like that where just the culture has been different to enough that makes sets a lot of the tension and the nerves that I have at ease because it's like, man, these people really want me here. They really like me. They really believe in the vision and the mission that I have for this section of ministry that I'm going to be dealing with within the larger church body. And it just validates so many things. And especially for someone who's been in a ministry and has been went through a very bad go at it in ministry, just having that can really renew and refresh one's calling to ministry and going, you know, this is great. So yeah, so that's wonderful. So I think that's kind of how we can kind of end things right mm -hmm. there. I think, you know, a lot of great transitions. And again, transitions have to be between the person who's coming in, but also the church has to embrace those transitions and really work together as a team to make those transitions as smooth as possible. Mm -hmm. But again, thank you for being on the show. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to be able to recon, uh, continue doing that new segment of yours if, if these churches go so well as we we hope and dream. So, <laughs> and I was the church when I found out about sologamy. <laughs> yes, or polyamorous. Or polyamorous. <laughs> but anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, and we'll be back on next week with our. Take care.